Okay, here we go. Parshas Matos, Tavshin Ayin Tes. Again, the second to last week where Eretz Yisrael and Chutz Laaretz are uh, on the different uh, schedule. Better next week we get together. Matos and Masay in Chutz Laaretz, Masay in Eretz Yisrael as we head towards the end of Sefer Bamidbar and Moshe Rabbeinu's last Tzivuyim that he receives before he gives his last uh, pep talk to Am Yisrael in the uh, Sefer Dvarim, in the great Sefer Musr that is Sefer Dvarim. So Parshas Matos has two major sections, uh, Nedarim number one, and uh, everything related to that, how to make a nether, how to rid myself of a nether. And then we have Midian going into Nachlos. We have the war against Midian, Moshe Rabbeinu is told, and then he appoints uh, those uh, the fighters, and they go fight, then he gets upset when they come back, and then the laws of Tfilas Kalim and Agolas Kalim are uh, related to the spoils. And then we have the second half of the parasha, which is all about B'nei Gada, B'nei Ruvain, and the Nachlos that they uh, want, and the deal that Moshe makes with them. And that, of course, goes into the next parasha, Parsha's Masay, which discusses more of the Masos, ending Sefer Bamidbar with a discussion of Are Miklad after going through the borders of, of Eretz Yisrael, and the Ari Levi and Bechul and a couple of others. It says, it says the Minchas Michael, if we look in the uh, source number one, of temporary Mefarish um, on Chobesh. Parshas Matos Machalakas Gimel Chalakim. Not really three. He's including a little bit maybe from Parshas Masay. Uh, Nidarim, Nachlos, and Are Miklat. Right, three sections uh, that he discusses. Again, this is Matos and Masay. Really have Ari Miklat at the end. These three sections were said to Am Yisrael before they went into Eretz Yisrael. Obviously, they, are, they were some type of hachana to go into Eretz Yisrael relating to their national cause of entrance. And if you think about it, ask the Minchas Michael, Two out of three make sense, have to do with the national entrance into Eretz Yisrael. Bishlam HaParshas Nachlos, Haita Tzricha Lehei HaMeil, Afnei Kizazan Laaretz, and this year, Nachlos has to be said, and the portions that everyone gets, and B'nei Gada, B'nei Ruvain, and even Proslavchad, K'dei Sheyedu, Heichan Gvulo Seshel Eretz Yisrael, so we know where the borders are. Heichan Nachlos Seyeh, Mi Nochel, Mi Eino Nochel, you have to know all the rules, who's getting what, and the battle going in, and also are a miklot, because those are designated, those are set aside, who's going to live there, uh, that's going to function for the nation, parshas are a miklot, where are the are miklot? The question is, what about Nadarim? What about Nadarim? What is parshas Adarim doing here, Dafka? Why does the Torah juxtapose it here, right before Kedisa Laaretz, as if there's a message of parshas Nadarim to B'nai Yisrael going into Eretz Yisrael? Again, Rashi quotes uh, different messages about uh, Rashi Amato's Dafka. This section was given to them, yeah, but it doesn't really speak about why Dafka. This is mentioned here in the in the Torah. Says the Minchas Michael, Ayin Medrash or Chadash Shetirates Kush Yazu Alpidivrei Maharal B'Sifrek Vuras Hashem. The Maharal writes, as many write, explaining the Unkelis in Parshas Bereshis. Man was created from the dust of the earth. Hashem breathed into us a neshama. And man was a living soul. As many point out, but he quotes it from the Maharal. We are created with two opposite elements. Right, as the Mepharshim explained. Mi gufshu afar min adama, the physical, dirt. U mi neshama shi yichelek elokamimau. And a neshama, we have a guf and a neshama. U bechiburam niacha nozer nefesh chaya. And together we form this unique being called a human being, which has a ruach, a neshama, and a guf. And that's what Uncle says on the nefesh chaya, ruach mamala, a talking spirit. Talking, that's what makes us unique. Having the goof and the neshama together, what is formed? Our power of speech. Right? Something that is totally spiritual can't speak in the same way. A malach doesn't speak in the same way that we speak. And an animal doesn't speak in the same way that we speak. Only the balance of and the synthesis of the goof and the neshama together gives us the power. Hashem gave us the power of dibur. And that reflects something purely and uniquely human. That's what we have. Uh, that's what we have extra. And this is what the, what the Ramah talks about in Hilchaz Asher Yatsar. That's the phrase Mafli Lasos. 
Hashem made such a unique being, uh, it's a pella. It's a pella, mafilasos, that is uh, the guf and the neshama together. And based on this, he quotes, continues quoting the Maharal and the Guru as Hashem, that is maybe something that we never really thought about. That we know that a baby in utero learns kalatar akula, and on the way out, the malach kicks him on the face and on the mouth, and he forgets all of his Torah learning. So many questions of the Gemara, if we're going to cause to forget it, why are we taught in the first place? Why do we have to be caused to forget it? But a question that not many ask is, why dafka the mouth? Why dafka the mouth? Why is that the part of the body, the limb? Right? Hashem could have created us with some type of, of uh, you know, mark anywhere else on the body. Because that's our unique human feature. Our unique human feature is our mouth. Ain Adam Karu Adam El Alpiv. And now he explains, beautiful. Biradvarim. To Kalocha Tidok Dimsabamea Imo, who Chai Shamban Haganisis, while we're inside, we're learning Torah with them, with the Kaddish Baruch Hu and the Malach. Ancient Chomra Machzik Linishmaso, Elinishama Zachatora, Chelek Eloka, Shiritan Adam Ladam Ilamala. When we're in utero, we're basically Nishama. The Gemara Nita says we could see from one side of the world to the other side of the world. We're all neshama. We're living off of others, but it's really not nothing that that we uh, we are not in this world. We're not breathing in the normal way. But now, what is about to happen? We're leaving the miraculous world that we've been living until now, and we're start to live. A natural life. And what happens? We're going to be a physical. We're going to feel pain. We're going to be upset. We're going to be uncomfortable. Right now, when we're going from the purely spiritual existence to the human existence, Hashem touches us, uh, the Malach touches us on our mouth, and we forget all the Torah. Umeshach was called Torah. Kula. Milamdo. Because we can't be in the perfect state that we were in. That's not the goal of the world. You have to work for it. You have to work for it in your human state. So you have to work, we have to work for it. So basically, the mouth is the symbol of our humanness. That's why the mouth touches us on our mouth, because that is the transitionary limb, so to speak, that we recognize and we're symbolized by the godless of of a, of a human being and the godless of Am Yisrael, the godless of Doli Yisrael, that we can be Makadesh ourselves more and more to get back, so to speak, to the level of the state that we were in uh, when we were there. So if you think about it now, it says the Minchas Michal, line 37, all the way at the bottom, maybe we understand Parshas Nadarim now. B'nai Yisrael right now are going out of the womb. We're being born. We're going from a totally miraculous existence, the Be'er and the Mon, and the out of the Akavit, and now we're going into Eretz Yisrael. It's like we're being born. We're going from the state of learning Torah with a with a malach, and then we're going in, and we're going to have to live and work for a living. V'chulu. What does the Kaddish Baruch Hu do? He gives us a message about our mouth, about our koach hadibor. That's what Nadarim is doing right here. It's our patch, so to speak, on the mouth that the malach gives us. Ki hadibor mevateis haneshama v'es haadam atzmo. That's what we were like. That's what Right, the no waste created. It was mamish, just like we have the. We're in utero. We have the mon. We have the bear. We have everything given to us. Exactly like that. So when we leave, when we go into Eretz Israel, that's it. So, we're told by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're told by the Parshat Adarim to make sure our Koach HaDibor is proper. Because when we go in, it's a new, it's a new state. We mentioned a number of years ago, maybe 10 years ago or so, Rav Yerucham has an idea at the end of the Torah, Parshat Kisava or so, where he talks about when B'nai Yisrael went in, we know we had to write the Torah on, on uh, 70, uh, in 70 languages, right, on the Avanim, in the Yardin, going in. So if Yerucham explained there, if you remember, the idea of putting a mezuzah on the way in, a different marshal. 
B'nai Yisrael going in, here it's a mashallah of going out of the womb, there it's about going in. Again, going in, you put a mezuzah on Eretz Yisrael. Those rocks that we wrote the Torah on, mezuzah. And even though mezuzah usually only needs two parshiyos, but this is for a whole land. It's not just for a house. So it makes sense that you can be even more. So just like there, there was the mashal about going in. It was like a mezuzah. Here, it's the malach giving us a patch on the way, on the way out. Okay. Moving right along. So that was Nadar. So we get the paraglam at Aleph, which is the sivui of the battle against Midian. Hashem tells Moshe, take Nikmas B'nei Yisrael. And that will be it. Then you will pass on. And Moshe turns around and says, We pointed out a number of times the Klayakar and others that Moshe tells Moshe to take the Nikama of B'nei Yisrael. Hashem, Moshe tells them to take the Nikama of Hashem. There are two rows that happened here. Midian caused us to have... Um, Chote to Agadish Baruch Hu and Chote to ourselves. Nikmas Bnei Yisrael, Nikmas Hashem. The uh, other Mefarshim say Hashem is worried about Bnei Yisrael's covet. Bnei Yisrael are worried about Hashem's covet. Okay, either way, that's the diak of which which uh, Nikama it was. But it's all about war. There is a comment that Rav Salvechik made. It's quoted in places, uh, and that is quoted, I gave it to you here in the Masar Sarav, in the Rav Salvecha Chumish, uh, as follows. He talks about the Israeli flag. The Israeli flag. And he, Rav Salvechik, says, if you ask me, how do I, a Talmudic Jew, he calls himself, look upon the flag of the state of Israel, and has it any halachic value? I would answer plainly, and he says, is there inherent Kedusha in a flag? There's no inherent Kedusha in a flag. No inherent Kedusha in a flag. Is there a status and symbolic of something when someone sees the flag and they feel something inside of them? Nevertheless, we must not lose sight of the law in Shulchan Aruch. He quotes the law in Shulchan Aruch in Shin Samach Dalet. Shin Samach Dalet, towards the end of Yeridea. He quotes the laws in Hilchas Avelis, Shin Samach Dalet, the Shulchan Aruch is Sif Dalet, the Shach is Sif Katan Yud Aleph. To the effect of one who has been killed by a non-Jew is buried in his clothes so that his blood may be seen and avenged. At his reign, he quotes the Pasuk in, in Yoel. Meaning, if a Jew is killed because he is a Jew, so that's the kapara that he gets. Right? He's buried, so to speak, in that. In other words, the clothes of a Jew acquire a certain sanctity when spattered with the blood of a martyr. In that way. How much more so? He says, that's the clothes of a Jew. Rav Salvechik connected the Israeli flag to this halacha in Shulchan Arach and in the Shach. How much more so is this so of the blue and white flag which has been immersed in the blood of thousands of young Jews, defending the country and the population, religious and irreligious alike. The enemy did not differentiate between them. It has a spark of sanctity that flows from devotion and self-sacrifice. So it doesn't have Kedusha like Tashmishe Mitzvah or Tashmishe Kedusha. It has a different category of Kedusha. The Kedusha of blood of Am Yisrael. The Kedusha of thousands of Jews, tens of thousands, Rahman al-Aslan, that defend Am Yisrael day in and day out. It says that's, that's a status. That's a status that is, that is gotten. He said, of course, another story here, that Rav was once visited by a student from the, from the uh, IDF who asked, his job was cleaning tanks and he's often filled with grime and oil. And what does he do for Davidi? Does he need to change his clothes before reciting Tmincha? Because, you know, he has to get ready for Davidin and it would be possible, but it would be quite inconvenient and difficult. The Rav looked at him in amazement and replied, what do you need to change for? You're wearing Big Day Kodesh. You're wearing Big Day Kodesh, right? The uniform of somebody in the Tzvagan Ali Israel. That's Big Day Kodesh. You're defending Am Yisrael. Defending Am Yisrael. We haven't been able to defend Am Yisrael in thousands of years. And now we're able to defend Am Yisrael. Says Rav Salvechik. He says there's no better, no better, but there's no need to, to change out of that fourth field. And again, every Jew, every Jew throughout the world has to recognize, you know, when, when fellow Jews defend, right, this is not a political question, this is a, an, um, an emotional and religious and theological uh, issue that we have to uh, call Yisrael Aravim. If somebody's putting their life on the line, you know, for a fellow Jew, you know, that is something that, that uh, we have to, uh, to recognize. And I've said before, you know, I think Halavai it should be that if every single, every single shtibel, every single shul in the entire world, one Shabbos, would say the tefillah for the Chayalei Tzvagon Ali Yisrael, one Shabbos, every single Jew in the world would hear it and say Amen, Kodesh Baruch Hu will look at that Halavai and, uh, and bring us Mashiach. Because we need that. We need that, at least on the base level, when we think about uh, so many of Achinu B'nai Yisrael that are, that are defending us. Okay, moving right along, that's a comment from 
We have salvation. We get into the halachas of Midian, and as we mentioned earlier, we have the halachas of Kalim. Kalim. Hagalas Kalim. Tvilas Kalim. Vayomer Elazar HaKohen Alanshi HaTzava. Elazar HaKohen tells the people of the Tzava, Rashi points out, why was Elazar talking here? Because Moshe had previously gotten angry. Previously gotten angry. Since Moshe got, even Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Moshe was not one of the four people that never sinned, right? His father was, but he wasn't one of the four, so he, right? He was our greatest leader. Doesn't mean he was perfect. So, He didn't uh, tell us halachas of Hagalas Kalim. A few weeks ago, Shimuna Hamorim, Vayachazasela, when he hit the rock, right, that was the sheet of the Rambam, as well, what the chait was. But again, here we have it. So, Elazar says it, Zoskukas Torah, Zav, Kasef, Nechoshes, all the different types of metals, Kol Adav Shevo Beish, Tavir Beish, Vitoher, Bemeinita Yishata, right, and we have the, the halachas of, of Kashrin. Our Tvilas Kalim is that area of halacha, Daraisa, that's a Machlokas, Rashi, Ramban, other Rishonim. But here we have the halacha. A couple of questions on the halacha. Let's focus on Tvilas Kalim. Whether it's Daraisa, whether it's Drabanan, again, a discussion in the Rishonim. Says that Yonah Shal Torah. Tumazu Shal Kalim Chadashim, line 11. Shenil Kuchum Yodikachavim Latzvicham Tvilah Lotus Parshama Husa. What type of mitzvah is this? This Tvila. Kashering, okay, there's non-kosher taste in here. But what if it's not kashering? Tevila, a non-Jew made this clean. It's never been used before. Why do I have to put it into a mikvah? A nenemu venis, dei sarcha. Ki im hi tumos. If it's tumah, if a person becomes tamah, he goes to the mikvah. But if he didn't become tamah, he, he doesn't go to the mikvah. And here, the kalim, they didn't become tamah, they were never used before. Lama, and let me ask... And why only if I buy a kli from a guy does it require tefillah? But if it's borrowed or rented, if I don't own it, if the guy owns it and I just use it, it does not require tefillah. Why is that? I'm using it. What difference does it make if it's owned by a Jew or owned by a guy? I'm using it, so I should be chayif. One. Two. Why only certain kalim? Why don't wooden kalim need tefillah? Why only metal and gold? Which are so common. Why not? Right, I use them even more. So why is it? Look at Mishnayis. There are prakim in Misaches Kalim. Mishnayis. The first couple of prakim are all about klicheres. They can become tamei tar, a special dinim of klicheres. Clay uh, clay eights can become tamei. Right, as long as it has a base kibble. So why exactly should it be limited to certain types of kalim? So why only if you buy it permanently? Why only uh, certain types of kalim? And why only if a guy makes it? Says the Hagyona Shaltara. Ulain Agid Shakavanasa Torah Bazet. The Torah is teaching us a message, like we had earlier, two thoughts ago. Lusavera does Nam Shal Bene Yisrael, Bamdam al Safni Sasam Laris Kanan. To teach Bene Yisrael a lesson as they're about to go into Eretz Yisrael. Lo Lismoch Alacherim, Bishum Davar. The Gam Lo Bachanas Klei Tashmishan. This relates to our first thought today, but it's a little different focus. Life's not about having everything done for me and prepared for me. B'nei Yisrael should not do by Midbar. Lo yichinu shum davar v'eshar v'amshana. B'nei Yisrael never had to go shopping in 40 years. They, everything was given to them. Everything was given to them. Hey machu lechem and ashamayim shosu mayim ibeirishal miriam they drank water, miraculous water, miraculous bread. Big dam and alem lo valu mealehem. Their begadim grew with them. Kalim ikelim shonim. Klechazal So they had everything. They had from Bezos Mitzrayim. They had everything they needed. Everything. V'im Cain says that Yonah Shatorah, there's a worry. There's a chashash. Shaher gilzeh yeyaseh etzlam teva. This habit, this way of living will become part of who they are. Prepare for me and I'll eat it. Prepare for me and I'll consume it. 
Bein im Zayde Shlomo, Chama Bein im Zebekinye Kesef. I'll buy it, I'll, I'll take it, I'll get it. That's not what life's about, being given everything. It's made by another another nation. You have to do something. You have to take an active role in the creation of this kli, even if it's a spiritual part of the creation. A nation will not exist as a nation unless they can be independent. Unless they can function and have all of the different areas of society and Parnassa represented in their, in their people. Right? And therefore they have to be farmers and they have to be doctors and they have to be lawyers. They have to be, they have to be a function. They have to be garbage men. They have to be functioning society. Taking achrayas. Am einenu chay al shalom el chama kedever shal keva. Inam doesn't live based on spoils of other nations. Not a unless it's a despot, bandit, government in quotes. But that's not how a country functions. Vegam lo al kniyam echerem. You can't rely on others to buy from, to to take from. Vlachain. That is why. What's the symbol of this? Self-sufficient. So says the again shadar. Only if I buy it. If I buy it, because that's a symbol of relying on others, that's a davar shal keva. If I rent it, that's not something uh, permanent, so we don't need the message. Only if it's bought. But borrowed, rented kalim are not. That's mikra, that's not davar shal keva. And only metal, only glass, those are chashuv. Those are the ones we have to, where we have to get the message. If I'm just borrowing non-chashuv items from a neighbor, that's not considered dependent on them. If it's major things, chashuv things that are dependent, that's a problem. And that's the message of Tefillah's Kalim. You have to do something yourself. You can't just say, everything is given to me. And this is the message that B'nai Yisrael needed before they went in. Beautiful. Why didn't we get these halachas, these mitzvos of Hagalah, Tara, Tevilah by the earlier wars? No, no, no. The message is right before you go into Eretz Yisrael. Dafka here by Midyo. We didn't have it last week by Og and by, or two weeks ago, by Og and by, by the other, uh, Warriors that they fought, Sichon, Kihi Aisaha Achrona, Lafnik, Nisasam, Shabbat Yisrael, This was the last one. La Gidla have to teach them, Shem Kinisasam, La Artsam, Alayam Lios, Bilti, Tluyim, Bachirim, Bechalashtachim. You need to be independent. Im Adachshav, Haya Hechrech, Lo Yiguneh, Lichas Bliasia Shamamish, up till now, you didn't have a choice. You had to be dependent. You're in the desert. No popular, no, uh, civilization. You needed Hashem to give you everything. Now, you have to take upon yourself responsibility. And this is what life's about. Life's not about taking and taking and taking and taking. Life's not about living off of others. That's not what HaKadosh Baruch wants from us. Maybe for a certain amount of time, in at a certain age and stage, you know, it's um, we take in so that we can then give out. That's the ultimate goal. Of life, the ultimate goal of life. It says in everybody's ksuba, the husband's going to support the wife. That's the ultimate goal. That's the the natural state of what Chazal assumed. And therefore, we have to make sure that we have this attitude. And that's why also many mafarshim point out uh, in Parshas Shlach that was part of the maybe hate of the Meraglim. The Maglam didn't want that. The Maglam thought, no, let's just stay here. We have everything we need. We're connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Isn't this what life's about? Let's just stay. And obviously they were tragically wrong. The point isn't just to stay and take and get. The point is to go and take responsibility and take Achrayas and with all the other responsibilities that one has. I'm so far in a tshuva that never should one think that if one is busy sharing Torah and teaching Torah, that they're going to lose somehow in their own uh, growth in Torah. It says I'm so far off that I'm an Arab that it's all going to come back. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows that if you're giving, you're answering a question, you're, you're spending, a person spending their life being, uh, you know, working on others, so that's going to come back to them also. 
And that's what life's about, giving and taking responsibility. If it's made by a Jew, there's no tumma there, because it was made by a Jew. We're the same nation, Adarabah, the Adarabah, Hamevim Tara. And therefore, uh, says the Agonosh Torah, that's why it's only in this, in this regard. Okay. Moving right along to the next section of the, of the Torah. Next section of the Parsha, after we have all the spoils that are split up in the different ways, the animals and the, and the captives and the money, now we get to B'nai God and B'nai Ruvay. Umikne Rav. The first words we know in Paraglamid Bays are lots of cattle. Lots of cattle, and that's already the giveaway, according to many. It doesn't, the whole story starts off with these two words, Mikne Rav. You can just see all of the Mikne Rav, but that was a focus of their life. Mikne Rav, Atsum Ma'od. Huge! They had a tremendous amount of Mikne. Vayiru. And it was a bracha that Hashem gave them. The question is, what are they going to do with this bracha? They saw it was such a grazing, pasture, beautiful place for all of their mikne rav atzum. Right? Double washo the Torah uses. They come to Moshe Rabbeinu and Vayomer El Moshe V'yel Elazar Akohen V'el Nisiyah Eida. They put it out there. They quote all of these cities uh, it's great. We want it. We need it. And they said, "Please, if it finds favor in your eyes, let us let us uh, let us live here. Don't bring us across. We'll stay here." One simple request. Pasik hey, pasik hey. One pasik request. Let us stay here. And Moshe Rabbeinu. And a very harif response. Moses screams. Moshe, sometimes we read it, we're like, what's he getting so upset for? But Moshe, Moshe gives a history, Jewish history lesson. You guys are doing the same thing. You guys, we, we, messed, we messed up already. That was 40 years ago. We've been waiting 40 years for this, and now you're saying you don't want to go? You don't want to go to the last step? This is what your forefathers did. Right, this is what they did 40 years ago, 39 years ago. They, they took away the hearts. What do you think you're doing? We're not going in. Hashem swore they're not going in. And now what are you doing? Pasig Yudalit. Vine Kamtem Tachasabosechem Tarbus Anoshim Khatoim Lispos od Al Kharon Afashem al Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu is Kharif. What a response. What a response. And what happens? All of a sudden they give a they give a suggestion. Okay. No, we're just gonna leave the women and children and cattle, but we're coming. Until everybody's settled, and we're not coming back until everything is done, until you give us the okay. You are Yoshua Benu, give us the okay. Moshe says, okay. So he gets very strong and very angry. They have a little suggestion, and then Moshe says, with a tonight kafel, right? He makes them commit to it in a double way. And you do all this, you do all this. And then you can go back. And then this land will be But if not, if not, it's not happening. And he goes through exactly, exactly what they're going to do. Very detailed. Okay, build cities, build these, and then you have to follow through. But they got by Ruben and said, we got it, we accept. So what exactly is the Shaklavatarya here going on between Moshe and Bidegana Bene Ruvain? Moshe Rabbeinu gets very upset. They have a suggestion. Moshe Rabbeinu accepts it. Says Rabbi, Rabbi uh, Sachs in his Sefer Lessons in Leadership. Lessons in Leadership, uh, where he talks all about leadership in every parsha. And as he notes, one of the hardest tasks of a leader is conflict resolution. When there is conflict in the company, when there is conflict in the family, right? There has to be a leader that can work out the conflicts, right? Or else people will just swallow each other, right? So there has to be a, a, a long-term view and an ability to see things from 
different perspectives. But leaders are people who put the interests of the group above those of any subsection of the group. They care for and inspire others to care for the common good. So what happens here, says Rabbi Sachs, is an amazing lesson that we have to role model for ourselves that we learn from Moshe Rabbein. But Radio Company Rubin come and they say what they say we want to say. Next page, page four. Moshe was instantly alert to the danger. The two tribes were putting their own interests above those of the nation as a whole. They would be seen as abandoning the nation at the very time they were needed most. Moshe Rabbeinu, number one point of a leader is to recognize, you know, where people are coming from and having to try to change that. If people are seeing only their own interests, they, we have to we have to help them see the interests of the entire company. There was a war. In fact, a series of wars to be fought if the Israelites were to inherit the Promised Land. Right? You're leaving. How can you do that? The proposal was potentially disastrous. Right, Moshe reminded them, this is exactly what happened, and they weren't going in, the inhabitants are too strong. You're going to cause them to have another miracle. And then, next paragraph, what then follows is a role model in negotiation and conflict resolution. What happens? Reuben and God propose a compromise. What was originally supposed to happen? We're staying, everybody so all can go, but we want this land. They propose a compromise. We'll fight alongside of them. We'll go ahead of them. That we won't return until everything is done. Essentially, skipping a few lines, they invoke what would be later become a principle in Jewish law. Right, you're going to be Nana. We're coming, and you're not going to lose anything by our wife and kids staying here. We will gain, say, the two tribes by having good land for our cattle, but the nation as a whole won't lose because we'll be in the army. We'll be on the front line, and we'll stay until the war has been won. Moshe Rabbeinu, what does he do? He recognizes the fact that they have met his objections. He restates their position to make sure he and they have been understood the proposal. What always happens? Okay, so this is what you're saying? Let me understand. And he says it again. And he says it again clearly with a tznaikafel, with a double condition, positive and negative. If we do this, great. If we don't do this, not. They agree Conflict has been averted. And even though later on in Sefer Yoshua, when they go back, they built this big altar, people thought that what's going on here, but Yoshua then sends uh, messengers and they realize that uh, it was done, L'Shem Shemayim. But says Rabbi Sachs now, the negotiation between Moshe and the two tribes in this parsha follows modern principles of conflict resolution. He quotes a Harvard study uh, named Getting to Yes. And then he quotes on page number five now. Page number five, he quotes four ideas. What happens to have, what has to happen? Four steps in successful negotiation. Number one, separate the people from the problem. Right? You can't label the people because then we'll just want to attack the people. There are all sorts of personal tensions in any negotiations. Right? They have to be cleared away, the personal, the emotional. Number one, people, problem. Right? That's the, uh, one of the al that we say. Focus on interests, not positions. Right? Don't focus on who's going to win and who's going to lose. That's not what conflict resolution is about. You don't want anybody to win and anybody to lose. You want to work it out so everybody feels that they have achieved their needs. By focusing not on positions but on interests, the question becomes, is there a way of achieving what each of us want? Number three, invent options for mutual gain. Is there a solution that is acceptable to both sides, maybe is not what what was think what what one side thought originally, but it's something that I can live with. Is it something that you can live with? And number four, insist on objective criteria. Right? It can't be so hazy that was this fulfilled, was this not fulfilled? Did this happen or didn't this happen? And if this happened, this is what has to be done. This is what is not allowed to be done. This is what's going to be the effect. Each of these. Each of these steps are exactly what happened with Moshe Rabbeinu. Number one, Moshe does all four. First, he separates the people from the problem. He tells Reuben and God the issue has nothing to do with who they are, but everything to do with what happened in the past. And the story of the Miraglim and the episode of the spies. We can't have that again. Everyone lost. It's a, and this has to be an Am Yisrael thing. And that is what, number one, he separated, he made it into an issue. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the people. Number two, he focused on the interests. Okay, you want this and you want that. So what do you propose? The two tribes had an interest in the fate of the nation as a whole. And they also had an 
obviously a an interest in their own personal shvatim. Moshe Rabbeinu helped them see to come up with a solution that related to the whole nation. Third, Reuben and God invented an option for mutual gain. It was if if you allow us to make temporary provisions for our cattle and children, then we'll fight in the army. If not, we can't do this. And they'll go out, and it worked. And finally, fourth, agreement, objective, criteria. This is what has to be done. Until they're living in houses, you can't go back to Hulu. And it was a model negotiation, a sign of hope after the many destructive conflicts in the book of Numbers, writes Rabbi Sachs, as well as a standing alternative to the many later conflicts in Jewish history that's such appalling outcomes. Right? There was so much in, in Bamidbar where we were fighting and fighting, and finally we come together and Moshe succeeds. Not because Rabbi Sachs ends well, but because he is weak, but not because he is willing to compromise on the integrity of the nation as a whole, and not because he uses diplomatic evasions, but because he is an honest, principled, and focus on the common good. This is how we resolve them. This is how we resolve conflicts with our children, with our companies, with our groups. Again, it's a challenge because during the time it's hard to, number one, each one of these is challenging, to separate the people from the problem. It's not about winning or losing. It's not that I want to win and I want him to lose. Right? If those are the goals, then nothing's, there's never going to be a conflict resolution. There has to be, there's an issue that's important to the people involved. And if that issue is taken care of in a way that everybody is semi-happy, so then that's okay. Right? We know in Choshe Mishpah, there's something called Pshara. That's what Dayanam always try to do. Pshara is not a Bidi Eved. Right? Pshara, the Gemara talks about it. The Gemara talks about opposite shitas. The Gemara says in the first paragraph of Sanhedrin, Osir Lutzoa, Mitzvah Lutzoa, Chayev Lutzoa, because you can look at it as a double-edged sword. Number one, nobody won. Right? Nobody's perfect here by Pshara, but again, nobody lost. And everybody walks, walks out with a feeling that, you know, the Dayan heard me and I'm getting something. I can live with it. And that's what Abshara is about. And that's what we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu and his conflict and his conflict resolution. Okay. One more thought on the Parsha, then one thought on the Haftorah, and then one thought on the three weeks. This thought we said six years ago, but I thought I would uh, say it again because it's, it's a defining, very crucial thought. End of the Parsha. All the way at the end of our Parsha in Parsha's Matos, what happens? Some of the lands are given out. They are in Ruben, God, and Menashe, obviously, in the east side of the Yarday. Moshe gives Gilad to Machir ben Menashe, and to Yair, Yair ben Menashe goes and captures Chabosehem, and he calls them Chabos Yair. And Novach goes and takes Knas and its suburbs, and he calls it Novach Bishmo with his name calls it Novach Bishmo. Rashi quotes the Bayikra La. La, first of all, has a special Tam on it in the Tamiya Mikra, but also, uh, what does La mean? Rashi says, La, eno mafeke. It's not a mafeke. I saw in, this, in the, uh, uh, the Svarim of Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan, Lafi Shalonis Kaim Shem Maybe there should be a Dagesh there. The Ramban talks about it, whether there should be. But either way, Rashi says that Novach's land did not last with him. And as a reference to that, as an allusion to that, it doesn't have a dog age. It's not strong. It's not a law, right? It's a law. It's a soft law because it didn't, it didn't last. Hine says, Rabbi Schwab, Mayan Beis HaShoeva, Kol Nekuda Sheba Torah Hilimud. Every dot in the Torah, every speck that we're supposed to write in the Torah has a message, right? And the Gemara Menachas Dav Chavtes, Rabbi Kiva Darshan, mountains and mountains of halachos on every little crown above the letters. Also, missing one dot is, is something that's major. So the question is, what exactly does this mean that his shame wasn't Mekuyam and it didn't last? Right? Especially comparing it to Yair. Yair, we don't have a Chazal about that, but only Novach. Venire. Says Rav Shwab. When a person has property, when a person has assets, his assets are his. A person has assets. He isn't his asset. He isn't. He's, it's, it's a, they, he owns them, but he isn't them. There's a separation between the identity of the item and the person. Your ear recognized that. And therefore, he got the cities, he got these new assets, and what do you call them? Chavos Yair. They're the suburbs of Yair. They're not Yair himself. They're not Yair himself. Novach, though, what did Novach call the cities? Novach. 
he identified with his assets. Novach lo kara es knas ir novach ela novach bishmomash hamara. What does that reflect and show? Shu mizdahe im nechasav liosam etzem echad. He identifies with his property. We're one. Pashkafa kazuina hashkafa zatora. That's not what we believe. Our stuff isn't us. We have stuff. We aren't stuff. We just have stuff. Ula umaze, and that's why it didn't last. That's why it didn't last by Nova, because if you identify with it, then it's not going to last. There is one thing, our spiritual assets, that we do have to identify with totally. That has to be one with us. Just the opposite. We should, we should make the mitzvahs. We are our mitzvahs. What does it mean? We are our mitzvahs. Let's see what he says. When we have items that we use, objects that we use for a mitzvah, like shofar tefillin, I'm not a lulav. I can hold a lulav, but I am not a lulav. So whenever there's a chetzah shal mitzvah, I can't totally identify with a mitzvah. We don't become the item. But there are some mitzvahs I say that we unify and we connect with the mitzvah itself, like Talmud Torah. We are one with our Talmud Torah. What does the Gemara say? B'tchila nikri shmo shalakadosh baruch hu. Right, the first pasuk in Tehillim. U'b'tsoras Hashem chefso u'v'soraso. Yega yom ha'balayla. The Torah becomes part of him, his essence. She'b'tzchia solo mor Torah l'shma v'chol yeshuto u'mahuso dvuka v'esek ha-Torah. E'na Torah eslo rak kikinyin chutz l'gufo. Elohu ba'atzmo nasa echadam ha-Torah. He is a living Sefer Torah. Living Sefer Torah. By Torah you have that. By tefillah you have that. V'chein matzinu says Rav Shwab. By tefillah. Shem is pala b'chol yelev harayu ba'atzmo metziyah shel tefillah. He himself is a he is a a chefzah shel tefillah, whatever you want to call it. Shul olam davar b'kodesh baruch hu. He's in a state that becomes part of him. What does David Melach say in Tehillim? Va'ani tefillah. We don't know what that means. What does it mean that you are the comps? It means it becomes part of you. Part of who you are, the bones scream out to Hashem, say Hashem Ichamocha. Right, that is the that is who we are. It's part of who we are. Quotes the Gemara in Megillah, and this identification is only with the spiritual world. Shabbos, another example. Torah, Tefillah, Shabbos, Shomer Shabbos, Kados Mechalalo, Harihu Mizdahe Ima Shabbos, Misale Bektushas Shabbos. He goes up, he becomes one with it. Fechulu, and he continues and gives other examples. But with our physical Gashmi assets, that is not what we should be doing. We shouldn't be identifying with our Gashmias, with our, with our any fill in the blank, whatever the with our phone, with our car, with our iPod, whatever it is, that's not us. That's that, and this is me. That's not who I am. I don't identify with with uh, with that. And that's the message of Novach versus Yair. Yair knew that, and therefore Yair said Chavos Yair. Novach didn't. Novach just called the cities Bishmo, and that's why it didn't last. Says Rav Schwab. Okay. Thought on the Haftorah. Again, the Haftorah for Matos, which is the first of the Haftorah for the three weeks. Haftorah for Matos is from Sefer Yirmiyo, as we know, Zacharti Lachesenu Rayach Avas Kalulosayach. The Haftorah gets us in the mood, getting us in the mood for this time of year. Perek Aleph, Dibri Yirmiyo, Ben Chilkiyo, Min Hakoanim Asher Ba'anatot. Yirmiyo ben Chilkiyo, right, from the Kohanim and Anatot. Yirmiyo was from Anatot. So we have the whole of Torah um, that relates towards the end, the beginning of Perak Beis. Right, what happens? Call out to the people of Yerushalayim. So this is Perak Beis. If you start off the beginning of Perak Beis, it sounds like beautiful, amazing. Amazing, wonderful. Hashem says, I remember the Chesed. But wait a second. What about the end of the previous Perak? The end of the previous parak is not so smiley. 
Right, misnaba anavi yermiyo. Yermiyo says, "Vidibarti mishpatai osam akol rasam asher azavuni vayteruni lelohim achirim vayishtachu lemasi yadayim." And right after that, we have halacha karasa, the end of the parsha before, the end of the parsha before. We have all these terrible uh, averes that we did, and Hashem says, "I'm going to leave you. You are matir me. All these terrible things and stolen." Right after that, zochadu lachesen uraiach. What does that What's the connection between the two? How can the two that they seem opposites, so to speak? Says Rabbi Pincus in the Tevera Shimshon, They really go together. The Chorban, and when we read Yermio, when we read Yeshayahu, when we read Yechezkel, so many back and forth. We could have Prakim that are positive, Hashem loves us, but then most of the prakim are negative, but interspersed. L'tzan nevuos she'al churban v'hagala she'igiyah machmaso, modi ha'kadosh baruch hu she'yachso klapi ha'kadosh baruch hu Yisrael lo ishtaneh. Through all the churban, yeah, physically, I've exiled you. And this is what's happening to you, but our relationship inherently is not changed. So, chardi lochesed uraiach ha'avaz kalul osayach. Atem klal Yisrael. You are still my kala. Right, we know that from the fact that we're still here. And all the Mepharshim throughout the ages that write, Rabbi Yagavem did the greatest miracle that ever took place is the, uh, the continued existence of Am Yisrael. So we see that we're still connected and we're still married. But that happens even during B'Shas HaChorban. Shayachas v'akesher nishru b'diyuk kifishayu me'az u'mikedem. And he quotes that he was earlier at a at a, uh, a seminar, and the, one of the questioners asked, right, that uh, Hashem threw us out, Hashem divorced us, using those words. How are we supposed to feel? And Rapinka says, I told them that's wrong. It doesn't say that in the Navi. Yesh Ladas 26. What does it say? Yeshayo. Did I give a safer Krisus? It's a question. I didn't, says Yeshayahu. Even when he physically sends us out, it's not like a Baal the Magarish Ishto. It seems that way. It seems that, uh, that Hashem Shechina has left. He's left that physical presence somewhat, but he's still connected to us. It's like he gives a mashal when a, when a uh, boy comes home from school and the father has to punish him. He sends him to his room. Why does he send him to his room? Because he hates his son? No, because he loves his son. And he wants his son to learn. And he wants his son to grow from the situation. He didn't let him go in the kitchen. He says the father, the child feels, But we know it's not true. We know that it's all for the good of the child. And that's what this... These uh, interplay, but these psukim are about as we get to the, into this time of year. Matos, Masay, Dvarim, and we recognize Chorban, and we think about Golos, and we think about how far we sometimes feel, and so and Saris in the world, and difficulties, and, and, and from the outside and from the inside. And from the outside, we have difficulties with enemies that don't want us to exist and to live like Jews, and from within, and the Sinas Chinam, and the, and the Tsaris from within that we have. So we have to recognize that Kaddish Baruch Hu loves us. Hashem is always with us. And we just have to, what do we have to? We have to do the following, going to the next source. The Nesiva Shalom says the secret. What's the secret? One of the secrets of getting it back, one of the secrets of getting it back is one word, yearning. One word, we might have mentioned this thought a number of years ago, but says the Nesiva Shalom, Mashma so Avelus, Hishtokukus Vegaguim. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from us? One of the six questions. See, peace of Yeshua. That's what we're here for. Throughout Golas, that's what Hashem is waiting for. He's waiting for the yearning, right? Like the mushal given by a number of the Bali Musar, like the children that are playing hide and seek. And one of the children is hiding. And then the other children are saying, no, we don't want to play anymore. So they leave. But they didn't tell that child that's still hiding. See, he's still there. He's waiting to be looked for. But they're not looking for him. And all of a sudden, over time, he's like, why aren't they looking for me? You know, what's going on? They, they, they forgot about me. Why don't they search for me? And that's exactly the mushal given by, by many of the Bali Musar, right? We, we stop searching. 
We stop searching for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's so sad. And Hashem is waiting to be found. Hashem is waiting to be found. And that's what says the Nesiv HaShalom. Yesh lavenina ve'elaz ha'achorban b'mei ha'metzarim. Etzel Yehudi kol chagim ha'moadim inyonim nitzchi. What's the tafkid of these days? Right, it's not about thinking about something in the past, just remembering. But it's something that's alive. Yerushalayim is something that's alive. Shein shechacha sholetes bo. Shechacha is not sholet. And therefore, what exactly is the, the message? Says the uh, Nesiva Shalom. Says the Nesiva Shalom. The greatest ason, ason hayoter, kashayhudi mashlim shefsha lichios gambuli beis The greatest tragedy is that when we think we have everything, that we think we have, we, we don't have a base of this, but we're okay. Right? Some days we think, we think everything's good. Everything's fine. The family's good. Even if somebody has all their children following the derech of Hashem and all the health and children married, there's always something to daven for. And if somebody feels like, oh, everything in the personal life is perfect, he still should be crying during davening. Somebody once came to the Abderav and was saying his saris. And the Abderav says, I hear you, but you know what? Are you upset that we didn't bring the karma tamid this morning? That doesn't bother you at all. You're mashlim, you're mashlim, you're neshama with the base amigdash, lishlaim, ircha, brachim, and tashuv. Are you awakening? You're awakening these gaguim. That's what we need. We need gaguim. We need feelings of recognition that we're missing something, that we're lacking something. Aydezehu reishas binyan base amigdash, asher nivne mikach ha'ishtokakus. Right, it's through the yearning, through the yearning for the Beis HaMikdash, that is how we are going to, that's how we are going to get it back. And this Tkufa is the, is the, is the time of year that's miyuad for that yearning. Right, we always have to, to, to think about what's the goal of these days. The goal of these days is the yearning. The goal of these days is to th- recognize what we're missing. Recognize that we need so much. We need so much more. And, you know, and know that it's going to happen. Oh, that's going to happen. And he quotes on the bottom right of page nine. He quotes, we've quoted this before, when Basia goes and sees Moshe Rabbeinu in the little basket, she says, oh, a Jewish child. Right? How did she know that she was, a, he was a Jewish child? So explains, the Nesiva Shalom. Okay, Rashi quotes that, oh, there was light in the, in the basket. But even just the words. No, she saw he was crying. Oh, he must be a Jewish child because a Jew, a Jew cries differently. Because this is how we cry. We cry, we realize, Chodesh Av, Av, it's our father. Chodesh Baruch is our father. That's the month that we cry in. Dafka, Dafka this month, which is so dark. Right, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the month and the time of year that we could connect to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that we could think about a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that we have our Av, right? The, the, these three weeks start off with Avinu Malkeinu, on Shavas We start off recognizing a Kaddish Baruch Hu, recognizing He's our Av, and we recognize that the more we think about it, the more we wait, the more we yearn, right? Kilishu Ascha, Kivinu Kalayam. More Kivinu, that's how the Lishuascha, that's how the issue is going to happen. Here at own that we take this time period and use it to the fullest to recognize what we're missing, to recognize what we're missing on a national level. Obviously, personally, we have so many things to daven for, but even to have a little focus, a little more focus on those brachas towards the second part of the middle section of Shemona Asrei. Semach Dabi, Lishlaim Irchal, let's focus on those. And Ved Hashem, we should be Zoche with all of our yearning, all of our yearning to have the Binyan Beis Hamikdash in the Hair of Yamein. Okay, we'll stop here.